You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, church. Happy Valentine's Day to you. How about, uh, how many of you just realized it was Valentine's Day when I said that? Yeah, some of you. Um, If you haven't told your wife Happy Valentine's Day, you can do that now. Um, if you or if she's here, but uh, anyway, glad you're here. Excited about today, and and uh, just excited about what God's doing in our church. We're going to continue the series behind enemy lines today. But before we jump into it, I want to just remind you: we saw a video last week about our one-in-one project, and I want to just encourage you to be praying about that and how you might be involved with this one-in-one project. It's going to be a huge aspect of what we do in 2016 and even going into 2017 as we raise some money to do things like um, our transitional housing program, which is going to be a program designed to give people a hand up uh, rather than just giving them a hand out, but helping them get back on their feet. Uh, It's things like planning our next campus. We believe that's going to happen sooner than later and and really planning another church in another town that we can continue to reach people. Um, we're seeing God do incredible things and by day in Lyons and over in Millen, um, God's doing some awesome stuff. And so we want to continue that. So uh, just be praying about that. You're going to hear about it more and more and some other things. We've got a service week coming up that this is going to help support. And so just be praying about how you could be involved with that, how you might give to that. Um, and, and, and help us make this happen. It's the vision God's given us, and we just believe that he's going to fulfill it uh, in, in every way. And so uh, that's, that's where we're at on that. Um, today, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. As I said, we're continuing this uh, series called Behind Enemy Lines. And as we look at this series, what we're looking at is if we were to go behind enemy lines during a, a war or a fight or something like that, then what we would be able to see is what the enemy's tactics are, what he's going to use, what they're going to use against us, how they're planning to attack. Many times I feel like the church and us as Christians, we get blindsided by the attacks of the enemy. So we've been looking at lies that we often believe um, that, that the enemy tells us or that the, we're, we're led to believe about the church or about ourselves as individuals. Today, the lie that we're looking at is that hope is fleeting that hope is fleeting. How many of you today, if you were honest, could say I could use hope in my life or in some area of my life? Anybody in here that would admit that? Yeah, so a lot of you. So um, hopefully this message will speak to your heart um, and give you hope in times maybe that the circumstances don't really necessarily um, look like there should be hope in your life. So if you have your Bibles, we'll look at First uh, Thessalonians chapter four, verses 13 through 18. I'm going to pray, then we'll get going. Father, thank you so much for um, your heart for us, your love for us, your grace in our lives. God, we pray that you would just move in a mighty way through your word that is living and active. We pray that you would come and, and do what only you can do, change hearts. God, just move in us, move in this place. God, I'm just, I just pray that you would speak now through me, God, I, I pray that it wouldn't be um, just a, a good message. I, I pray, Lord, that it would come with power and that your spirit would empower your word and that your word would find good soil in our heart. And God, we come to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you have ever been in a place, I know many of you acknowledged this uh, just a minute ago, but how many of you maybe uh, have been in a place where you felt like it was kind of hopeless? Um, Maybe in a place where uh, things seemed to be dark, maybe felt like you were um, 
in circumstances that, that were just uh, overwhelming. And many of us find ourselves in those places. Uh, an example uh, or something that I feel like can relate to that is when I was in the roofing business. I, I, I did roofing for 10 years before I went into ministry. And, uh, and, and as I was doing this, we were roofing a school one day, putting a metal roof on it, and uh, it was structural steel. So I was walking up a beam. It was a few inches wide. I got about 45 or 50 feet in the air. And I, I, I normally wouldn't do this, but there was a pretty big gust of wind that blew all of a sudden. And it made me feel like I was about to fall off. And I looked down and all I saw was concrete. And I literally just freaked out, man. I was like, oh my gosh. And so I just, just kind of fell down and grabbed hold of the beam and just held on. And um, it, it was one of the most scary times of my life. I really thought, so this is how it's going to end, right? Um, I'm going to fall right here and it's going to be over. And that's what I felt like. But sometimes I feel like we feel that way about life. I feel like life gets us in a place where we feel like we're barely hanging on, that this is going to be the end, that this is how it's going to be, that it's never going to get any better. And many times we look at life that way and we look at things that way. Um, I don't know what that is for you, but for many people, it may be in marriage. It might be in your marriage that you think, well, it's not going to get any better. There's no hope for us. There's no hope in this. And it can be overwhelming to you. Um, for some of us, it's in, uh, or you, not me, but it, for some of us, it's in singleness, right? Um, and so what you end up with is you feel like God wants me to be married, but is he ever going to send that person? Is he ever going to send me someone who uh, is the one that I'm supposed to marry? Is this ever going to happen? Um, for some people, it might be in your finances right now, where maybe you lost a job or, or maybe you, you, you're just in a situation, whether it was by your choice or by the circumstances in your life, that you're just in a financial situation that you don't know how this is going to work out and you don't know um, how it's going to happen. Maybe you're in a place in school where you're just looking at it going, I don't know how this is going to work out for my good. And we know the Bible promises that, right? That all things, he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. But many times in life, we look at our situations and we wonder, how is he really going to do this? Another way we do this is people who are in addiction, whether it's addiction to alcohol or drugs, whether it's addiction to pornography, whatever it might be, many times we get in places where we feel hopeless, like there is no hope. But the reality for us, if, if we're in Christ, if we're a Christian, if we are a follower of Jesus, the good news for us is that there is always hope. I would define hope this way today, that hope is a strong and confident expectation that the best is yet to come. That's my definition. A strong and confident expectation that the best is yet to come. Now, I admit this, that I have to fight for that many days. There are times, and I've shared this with you, I'm not going to go in depth with it too much today, but I've shared with you about my own battles with depression. I've shared with you about my own battles in, in life and just my own struggles with that. In many days, it's a battle. It can feel like there's just a dark cloud around me. Um, it, it's just one of those things that I have had to battle. But the way that I've learned to battle this is coming back to what we're going to look at today. And what we're going to look at today is that there's always hope for the Christian. There's always hope for someone who's in Christ. And so if you have your Bibles, verse 13 there, it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. 
so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. So this very first verse, he's telling us that there's a difference in how the world grieves, how the world looks at things and how Christians should look at things. One of the things that Paul is trying to do is he's trying to correct uh, or at least establish an understanding of what they would believe about people who had already passed. What about these people who had come to know Christ, but now they've passed and Jesus had not returned at that time. So they were concerned about this. So Paul's trying to help them. That's the background of this text we're reading today, that Paul's trying to help them understand this, that, 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 that as we read this, you'll see, but this is what happens um, when Jesus returns. And so he's telling them, don't grieve the loss. Don't grieve that the way that other people do, um, the way the world does, who has no hope. Because what he's saying is there's a difference for us. For those who are in Christ, there's a difference. And there is a hope. And so when we look at this, we see that there's this contrast of hope or hopelessness. And for us, we have hope. And so Paul is explaining that to us. He goes on and says, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And, we, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Paul uses the word asleep for death because basically what he's saying is it's only temporary for the Christian. It's not something that lasts forever. It's merely temporary. And so he's telling us that it's not going to last forever. He tells us even the source of our hope in verse 14. He says, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And this is going to be huge for us to see and huge for us to understand that this is the source of our hope as a Christian. It's not in the stock market. It's not in our job. It's not in our spouse. It's not in whoever God's going to bring for me to marry. It's not even in my health. It's not in those things. Our hope as a Christian is in the fact in the historical fact that Jesus died and rose again, that he is alive. And see, for us to be excited about that, for us to rejoice in that, we've got to really ask ourselves this question of, is my hope in him? We've got to come to the conclusion that that is my hope. And we've got to put all our eggs, eggs in that basket because the reality is that that is somewhat disappointing to some people to hear that because our hope is not truly in Christ. It's in ourselves. It's in what we can manufacture, it's in what we can do, what we can become, what we can have. And so the question I would ask you at this point is, is your hope in him? Is your hope in Jesus? And the fact that he died, he was buried, and it, on the third day he rose, and that he's alive. Because see, here's the good news. We don't serve a God who is dead or some inanimate object. We don't serve a philosophy or a way of thinking. We serve a God who is very much alive and is still working today. Y'all are dead today, aren't you? We serve a God who is still working in the world, who is very much alive. They check the tomb is still empty. He's not there. And so when we look at this, this is our hope. This is what our hope is built on. It's the only foundation for our hope as Christians is Jesus and his death and burial and resurrection. 
If you go through and you look at the book of Acts, which is recording all of the work of the apostles after Jesus's death and resurrection and ascension to heaven, um, what you begin to see is that when they preach, they preach the resurrection. Why? Because this was the point. If Jesus is not risen from the dead, then we are all hoping in vain. But because Jesus has risen from the dead, every single one of us in here has hope today. If our faith is in Christ. And so we look at that, we see that, we can understand that. But why don't we put our, or have this kind of hope? Why don't we have the kind of hope that he's speaking about in verse 14? And here's the reason I believe that. Because too many times we put our hope in things that cannot support it. We put our hope in people who cannot support our hope, who can't deliver on what we're hoping for who are always going to let us down. Think about this. People are always going to let us down, no matter who it is. You might marry the greatest guy in the world, the greatest girl in the world, but there's always gonna be a point where she down. Well, that was weird. There's always gonna be those times where that happens. And so everything, our health is going to eventually fail. Everything. When you have children, they're at some point in time going to let you down in some way. It's funny because when uh, we were having children, I wasn't in ministry, but I was following Jesus and um, we, we had um, our, our boys and I thought, you know, man, this is going to be awesome because I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm going to raise them in the way of the Lord and they're going to be perfect. That ain't happened. I used to think my oldest was demonic possessed when he was like two. It's no joke. I would go to spank him for, for doing something, who knows what, and he would turn around and try to hit me back. It was like this. And so when, when we look at this, man, it, 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 everything's going to eventually let us down, you know? And, and so we have to come to a place where we put our faith in someone who will not. And that is in Jesus. Another question that I asked myself this week as I was getting ready for this is, how do I know where my hope is placed? Like if you're sitting there right now, how do I know where my hope is placed? I would tell you that there's really two ways. One, look at what causes your emotions to rise and fall. Look at what causes your emotions to rise and fall because that is where your hope is placed. Another one is this, that disappointment is like smoke that comes from the fire of misplaced hope. Let me explain that. Just like wherever there's a fire, there's smoke. Wherever there's a fire, there's smoke. When we have disappointment, it's because our hope was placed in something. Now, life is full of disappointments. Life is full of things not going the way that we think they should. It's full of different things that happen in our lives. But the main source of our hope should come from Christ. When everything is dependent upon our circumstances and what's going on, what we end up finding when we get disappointed by life is that we put our hope in something other than Christ. And so we've got to look at this and see where's my hope placed? Where have I put my hope? Is it in Jesus? Verse 15 says, according to the Lord's word. So this is something that's sure. 
It's according to the Lord's word. It's come from the authority of God. It's come from the authority of his word. And so we realize that it's Jesus who's giving this. It's Jesus who's teaching this. It's Jesus who's told this. And so what we see is that it is sure. This hope is sure. He says, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. When he says that it's talking about the coming of the Lord, it's a word that is pronounced parousia. And what that word literally meant in those days was it meant, um, it was speaking of a king or an emperor who would come to a province or to an area when when he would come in. It would also be used um, for a deity, a god who had been revealed, a hidden god who had now been revealed. They would use this word for that. And so Paul uses this word, it's translated as the coming of the Lord. But what Paul is really saying is he's taking this word that was used in this particular way of a hidden God that's been revealed or the coming of a king to say this, that Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God of the universe is going to return. That's what he's telling us and he wants us to grab hold of is that there will be a day when he comes back. And so he says in this that, that, that the coming of the Lord, and it will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. He's saying, listen, those who have fallen asleep, um, those who are temporarily um, sleeping because they're going to be awakened when Jesus comes back, their, their bodies are going to be resurrected. He says, this is the reality of that. He says, those who have fallen asleep are going to be raised just the same way that you're going to experience resurrection if you're here and you're alive when Jesus returns. And so he wants us to see this. So he's trying to help them understand what's going to happen. But why in so many ways Do we put our hope in things that can't support it? He tells us this is the sure hope, hope in Christ, because it comes from the word of the Lord. But why do we put our hope in things that can't support that hope? I believe this, I believe we put our hope in things and people that we feel can heal or at least numb our brokenness that can fill the desires of our heart or we perceive them to be able to fill the desires of our heart. We talked a little bit about this last week, but every one of us in here are broken in some way. Every one of us in here have broken places in us. It's caused by our past, it's caused by experiences, it's caused by different things that have happened to us that create these voids in our heart, voids in areas such as affection. Everybody in here needs to know that they're loved. Um, it's, it's a void, a core need, a void in a core need such as um, uh, affirmation, knowing that you're good enough. Another one is acceptance, knowing that, that, that people accept you for who you are, knowing that people love you, care for you, and like you as you are. Another one would be attention. Everybody wants somebody that pays attention to them. Another one would be significance, that I want to feel significant in life, like I'm making an impact. Another one would be security. I want to feel secure, like things are going to be okay, that things are going to be all right. And so what we do is we begin to put our hope in things that we feel can come and fill those voids, right? Do you see that? Do we get that? That those voids that are in our life, 
we begin to try to find things that we can put in our heart, in our life, that we can bring into our life that's going to satisfy that need. Think about this. So many people chase after dollars. So many people go after money. And the reason they do is because they feel like if I can get a certain amount of money, then I can be secure. I can feel safe. I can feel like I'm protected. But the thing about it is every time we get a little bit more, we just need a little bit more. And then we get a little bit more. And if I just had a little bit more, it never satisfies for very long because we need more of it. Why? Because that void for security, that void for um, even attention that comes with having the money, it's it's not fulfilled by the money. Think about uh, when we go to uh, pornography or maybe another kind of addiction, drug addiction or alcohol. So many times that is not about the act of sex. It's not just about a chemical dependency. What that's about is I'm trying to fill something that's that's empty in me or I'm trying to numb something so that it goes away or at least seems to go away for a certain amount of time. And so we've got this void in our heart. So many times relationships are about finding someone who will accept me for the way I am. Somebody who will actually love me the way I am and give me this acceptance, give me this affirmation, give me this attention, give me this affection. And so that's what we're looking for in that relationship. So many times you think about in our marriages, the reason that our marriages are rocky in so many ways is because I'm looking for my spouse to do something in my marriage that they aren't designed to do, which is to fulfill all of those voids that have been left in my heart. The Bible says that that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. In other words, there's a void there that only God can fulfill. I know this because for the first 24 years of my life, I tried to fill every void I could. I tried to find all of those things in, in, in anything that I could find and stuff inside of me. If it was affirmation that I could get through working harder, I would work harder. If it was acceptance by going out and doing something, I'd go out and do it. If it was feeling affirmed, I would do it to try to feel better about me. And even after I became a Christian, and even today, I still battle at times with this identity issue that, that if, I, if I can just preach a little better, if I can just be a little bit better pastor, maybe then I'll feel good enough. Maybe then I'll be okay. If I can, can uh, love people a little bit better, if I can be a little bit better leader, maybe people accept me the way I am. And many of us tell ourselves this lie that I don't like me. I don't like me the way I am. And if I don't like me and I don't love me, there's no way anyone else could possibly like and love me the way I am. And therefore I have to put on a face. I have to act a certain way. I have to do certain things. I have to dress a certain way. I have to listen to certain music. I've got to do these certain things. And the whole reason that I have to do this is because I'm empty. And I feel like if I do these things, if I have this job, if I have this money, if I have this house, if I have this car, if I have all of these things, then maybe they'll fill the void that's in my heart. But the thing is, and the reality of it is that it's never going to fill the void that is there because there is only one who intended to fill that void, the one who created the void, and that is God. And so we've got to come to that realization 
that if I put my hope in anything else, it's not going to be sustained. My hope is in Jesus. My hope is in the resurrection. That's where we have to live. That's where we have to encourage one another, as it says in verse 18. Verse 16 says, for the Lord himself will come down. In other words, it's gonna be a personal visitation from Christ. He's not sending a messenger to do it. He's coming to do this himself. He says that he's coming down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So what he's telling them now is this. So the first ones to rise will be those who've fallen asleep in the Lord, those who have died in Christ. He's saying those who are in Christ have died in Christ. They'll be raised. Now he's saying, listen, those of you who are still alive when Jesus returns, you're gonna experience that same resurrection. And so basically what he's telling us is that we'll never be separated from Jesus because the reality is that if we die and we're a follower of Jesus, we die in Christ, we're still in him. And then if when he comes back, we're risen with Christ, when he comes and our body is resurrected and if we're still alive when he returns, the reality is that we still are resurrected in him. So we're never separated from Jesus. That's why Romans eight tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. It's why for you today, no matter what you're walking through, no matter what the circumstance is, that you can have hope because if you're in Christ, you'll never be separated from the life giver. And so we can rejoice in that, but only if that's where our hope is, only if that's where we're putting our hope. He says in here that we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And this is talking about Jesus's return. And I don't know if we're going to be like just flying up in the air and, and just taking off. I don't, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It seems like Jesus always does things a little different than what we expect, right? I don't know what that's going to be like, but I do know this, that in scripture, the clouds literally, they, they always represent God's presence, a cloud, it was, there's scripture, there's God's presence is oftentimes represented by a cloud. One of the things that Paul's saying is that we'll be enveloped in God's presence, the perfect presence of God. He's also says that we'll meet him in the air. See, it, it was thought in those days and still today that Satan is the prince of the air. It's what scripture teaches us, that that's the realm of the demonic. And what he's saying in this is that basically we'll be enveloped in the presence of God and the presence of God is going to destroy every power, every principality, every demonic force that's come against us up until that time. And Jesus is going to show once again that he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so this is what he's telling us. And I hope for you that you can see this as good news. And so here comes the main point of this whole text. It says in verse uh, 17, at the very end, he says, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Never separated from him ever again, if you are in him now. And see, this brings us to a place where we have to answer that question. Am I in Christ? 
Do I have a relationship with him? Not am I going to church. Not am I in a Bible study. Those are good and they help to enhance the relationship. The question is, are you in a relationship? Do you have this hope? Is this where your hope is placed? Because this is what I can guarantee is gonna happen with 99% of the people in here today. You're gonna walk out the doors and whatever it is that you've been doing to try to find hope, try to find fulfillment, try to fill those voids, you're gonna just go right back to doing them again. So at this point, I'm trying to get you to look inside yourself, look inside your heart and answer the question, is my hope really in Christ? Has it ever been? Am I saved? Have I just taken my eyes off of Christ? Because the good news is that we'll never be apart from him again. We will always be with the Lord forever. And so when we look at this, does that excite us? Is that something that we want now? Do we want the Lord now? Do we want the presence of God now? Or do we just want God when we need him? Or we feel like we need him? Is God more of a superstition? If I say my prayers and I live my life right, maybe good things will happen. When the reality of it is Christianity is not about a religion, it's not about a list of do's and don'ts, it's about a relationship with God. So where are you at in this? Where are you in relation to that relationship? Are you walking in that? Are you rejoicing in him? Do you know him? Do you have hope in him? Is that where your hope is placed? Because many times we hope in things that can't support our hope. We hope in people that can't support our hope. But the good news is that our circumstances don't determine our hope. What determines our hope is the fact that Jesus died and rose again. And because of that, you will too. Here's the awesome thing. No one, nothing can take that away from you. No one. That's good news. It means that this life that's over like that, this life that's a blink, this life that's a vapor, it's not the end. That man, when you breathe your last breath, if you are in Christ, when you breathe your last breath, life isn't over. Really, life is beginning. And that's the awesome thing about knowing Jesus is his presence forever. Many times we get stuck in this that it's about just getting to heaven. But see, if we don't enjoy the presence of God right now, why would you want to go to heaven? Because it's about the presence of God. Do you have that relationship? Or are you stuck in a place of 
just religion, because I want you to celebrate. I want you to be able to celebrate this good news. Here's my question for you, last question. Do you have a relationship with Christ now? Not have you been to church? Not do you say the blessing at meals? Not do you pray or go through motions? But do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you surrendered to him as the Lord of your life? Have you said yes to him as the savior of your life? I wanna know, because if you haven't, today you can. And you can enter into this relationship with God. Do you know him? And if you don't, if you've never had a relationship with Christ, is he calling you to say yes to him right now? If he is, then I'm gonna ask you to make a response to that. If you're saying yes to Jesus right now for the first time, then this is what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to be bold. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand right where you are and say, yeah, today, I wanna receive Christ. I want Jesus in my life. I want the security of knowing him. I want to know that God has affection for me. I want to walk in that, that he is my significance and my security. If you're here today and you don't know him, but you want to, it's your opportunity. Second thing. Anybody else? Second thing, I want to pray for you. If you're here today, and I'm gonna ask that we do this. We don't usually do this, but it's on my heart to do this. I'm gonna ask you, if you will, would you bow your heads with me? If you're in a place today that you would say, I just need hope. I just need hope. I need hope in an area of my life or my, my whole life is a place that I need hope. I'm gonna ask you right now that if you'd like prayer for that, would you stand up? Do you stand to your feet and let us pray with you and walk with you and ask God to give you strength? Life is, life is hard. Life is challenging. But God is here. God is with us. He has a good plan. He has a good purpose. He has a good... a good reason for your existence. There's a reason you're still here. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you, God, that we never have to be separated from you. God, help us to walk in that and to celebrate that. Help us to live in that. 
Holy Spirit, we need you. Would you invade our hearts and fill us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet with your love and grace, with your power, with who you are. God, I pray you'd wrap your arms around these people today who are saying, God, we need you. I thank you that you're faithful and good. I thank you that you are going to work in their lives. And let us keep our eyes fixed on the truth and the promise that the best is yet to come. Through the power and the working of your Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray. I pray, Lord that we have a strong and confident expectation that the best is not behind us, but the best is still ahead. And we love you, we praise you, we thank you in Jesus' name.